<laughs> well, hallelujah. Y'all may be seated. Glory to God. You can go ahead and be seated. I do want to say a big thank you because I know many of you were praying over the trip. And whenever, you know, I go out or pastor and I go somewhere, y'all go with us. And we appreciate it. When you pray and believe with us, it was a wonderful, wonderful trip. It started out in Pawnee, Oklahoma, where I grew up at my brother and sister-in-law's church, preached there on Wednesday night. And it was really a great, great experience. It's a, you know, it's a smaller church, but they had all of the youth come in. There's like 25 youth. And as I'm preaching along, I'm going like, oh, that girl is my great niece and that guy is my great nephew and then over on this side oh there's my baby brother and his family and just everywhere I was looking I was seeing I mean not not like distant relatives like brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and great nieces and nephews so at the end of the message I just said if you're related to me would you just come up here so I can see you and take a picture with you. And Pastor Nancy was there with me and took a picture. There were 29 of us. I mean, wow. Started church with just the Edwards clan. It was pretty awesome. But then, of course, we went down to uh, Tulsa for the great conference, like Pastor said, Kindle the Flame there. And uh, as I was praying about what to minister there... The Lord, I think he just has funny things happen to me. Uh, my, many of my sermons are very practical and they're based on stuff, real life experiences. You know, so we know that God, God gets in the middle of any of our mess and he makes it a message for sure. How many of you ladies were at our spring brunch this past spring? All right, a few of you. So you may recall, um, this is what happened and this is where this message was birthed from this experience. So I had bought this new outfit for the women's brunch and it was kind of, it's a one suit pantsuit kind of deal, one piece, and it was a little bit long. So I needed some high shoes to wear with it. And I thought I had the perfect red shoes. Well, I went to put them on that morning and they weren't comfortable. My knees are healed and whole, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, but I'm not going to, you know, be foolish and wear high heels if I'm not supposed to. So I start digging around in my closet like, oh man, have you ever gone shopping in your own closet? Lord, help me find some shoes. So this is not a good testament to the fact that I haven't cleaned out my closet recently. But as I'm digging around in there in the back of my closet, I found these red shoes and they they were comfortable. They were like uh, aerosols. The sole was real soft. I thought, oh, yeah, I can wear these. Well, the fact is I hadn't worn those shoes for probably 10 years. I am serious. So anyway, I get here for our brunch. We have our little breakfast, go upstairs. And my carpet in my office upstairs is pretty light like this. And I'm walking around praying and thinking about what I'm getting ready to minister. And I, I start looking down at the floor and there's like black chunks of stuff on the floor. And I'm thinking, that is so odd. So I said something to Jane. Did somebody walk in here with really junk on their shoes? And she's like, I don't think so. So I keep walking around. And Jane is so sweet. My lovely assistant, she said, after a little bit, Pastor, it's you. You're the one getting junk all over the carpet. And there's a message even in that. Sometimes we got all this stuff going on in our lives. And we try to blame somebody else. I thought somebody else came in there and got junk all over my carpet. And it was me. 
So I sat down in the chair. I lift up my shoe and the whole sole of my shoe was crumbling, falling off in big black chunks. And there was even, there was like a, in the middle of the sole, a big tear. Now look at, let's put up my shoe. I want you to see this. (laughs) The end result. So initially when I put my shoe on, if you just look at the top of it, other than my feet look real fat and crammed in there, but um, you can't tell. When you look on the outside, you can't tell when you look at the top of the shoe, what was going on on the bottom, what was going on underneath. Now, this is a dramatic picture. It didn't, the heel didn't actually fall off while I was preaching, but it was crumbling and it was raining when we left. And by the time I got home, that's what it looked like. But anyway, so you can take that down. So I'm like, what are we going to do? Well, of course, lovely Pastor Nancy comes to the rescue and she's like, here, take my shoes. So I take off my crumbling shoes and I'm like, well, what are you going to wear? It doesn't matter. You're preaching. Take my shoes. So I try to put on her shoes and they didn't fit. You can't take somebody else's healthy soul. You got to get yours healthy for yourself. And the fact of the matter of it is this. You also, you cannot keep your soul on a shelf and not do anything with it. Now, just to clarify, I know, I know where I'm preaching. I know y'all know this. But First Thessalonians chapter 5 talks about we are three-part being. Spirit, who is created in likeness and image of God. Spirit, soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And our body. So what we're talking about today is our mind, our soul, that, that part of us, the emotional being, the, our intellectual part that has to get renewed. But you cannot put your soul, your mind on a shelf for 10 years and do nothing with it and think that you're going to remain sharp. And think that it's not going to crumble under the pressures of life. It's not going to be the same. And the other thing is about my shoe. We tried when we realized I have to wear this shoe. So what are we going to do? So, you know, we got creative and we took a whole roll of scotch tape. You saw it in that picture. And we started putting tape across everywhere that there was a crack. And But every part of my soul was covered with scotch tape. So I thought we were good to go. But as we came down here, and you, as you can tell, I don't stand still. I'm walking, and all of a sudden I'm like, the tape starts crumbling or whatever, and my foot is sticking to the carpet. So, of course, I have to tell the ladies what's going on. The other lesson in that, you know what? If you just try to cover up what might be broken in your soul, what might be cracked in your soul, you just try to put tape on it and cover it up. The integrity of it is going to be compromised and you're going to start picking up stuff. You're going to start stepping in things that you shouldn't be stepping in and they're going to stick to you. Has anybody ever had any strife try to stick to you? Has anybody ever had 
any unforgiveness try to stick to you? If our soul is not healthy, then things will try to stick to us. So I know that nobody in here wants to have a cracked soul, right? So the Lord gave me a title for my Kindle the Flame message and it was don't, it was are you cracked or are you intact? And how many of you want to be intact? You don't want to be cracked, right? Because if we are cracked, we're going to leak. And we're not going to hold what God wants us to hold in our lives. Our spiritual father, Kenneth E. Hagin, he used to preach a message from this passage. It was called Empty Cisterns or Full Reservoirs. So I want to start with that kind of in honor of him. Jeremiah 2.13 in the NLT, it says this. For my people have done two things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. They have dug for, dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water. So that's where I got my title from, cracked cisterns. Crack, I didn't call you a crack pot. But a cracked pot holds no water. Even if it's a little bitty crack that you can hardly see, it's not hardly visible. If you put pressure on that pot and you put water in it and you try to boil it and the fire comes to all of us, guess what's going to happen? It's going to explode and you're going to have a mess. I've done this before with a little plastic bowl that I didn't realize that I could barely see it. Didn't even notice a little fine crack in it. And you put it in the microwave to heat something up. Guess what happens? <laughs> Ask me how I know. It explodes. Even a little crack under pressure will cause you to leak. Or it'll cause you To explode under the pressure of it. So how do we keep from cracking? Or another question would be, how do we keep from falling apart at the seams? I've heard people say that. Oh, so much is going on in my life. I'm just falling apart. At the seams. How do we keep that from happening in our lives? Well, this is the news. This is the point. We, when we are born again, we become a new creation, right? Our spirit, but not our mind, gets new. That's verified in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. In the Amplified, this is a good passage to know about being born again. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah. He is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous, moral, and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Woo! That's something to be happy about. Aren't you thankful? When you get born again, your spirit man is not refurbished. It's not remodeled. He doesn't put a band-aid on all of that junk that used to be in there. You become brand new. Hallelujah. 
a species that never existed before. We are aliens in this world. We're from another planet. We have another kingdom. We're citizens of heaven. Hallelujah. We're washed in the blood like we just took communion. And all that junk from our past, where is it? Under the blood. Under the blood. The precious blood. Hallelujah. We are made brand new. Our old spiritual condition is passed away. But your body is the same. If you have brown eyes when you get born again, they don't all of a sudden become blue. And you know, this is kind of a bummer about getting born again. I've heard people, this part isn't a bummer, but I've heard people when they get born again, and it does show up on their face and their countenance changes because the life of God on the inside will change your countenance. Then I've heard people say, oh man, when I got born again, it was like a, a burden was rolled away. It was like a ton of weight lifted off of my shoulders. Anybody experience that? You were just so happy when you got born again. But when you went home and if you stepped on the scale, you didn't even lose an ounce. (laughs) Bummer. Because your body didn't get changed. It got Jesus on the inside. So your body is still going to be the same. And unfortunately, when we get born again, it's not instant regeneration. And it's not instant renewal of our mind. It is a process that we have to go through to change our thinking. To think like God Things, to change the way that we process things and to line it up according to the word. Many people, many of us, probably all of us were <coughs> raised around some negative negativity and wrong words were spoken. Those things are not instantly going to be gone out of your mind. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 in verse 1 through 2 it says this, I be you. That's a strong word. He's saying, you brethren, that by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We already talked about being three parts. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. And I like in this scripture that he says, you're to Present your body, your body to him. Sacrifice. That means we ought to take care of this temple. We are carriers of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That right there ought to be enough for us not to abuse this temple. We are the temple of the living God. And if we don't take care of this body, we're not going to live long and finish strong. This is your body is what gives you access to this world that we can be a blessing, that we can minister to people. So I encourage you, take care of your body. Present it to Him. A living sacrifice. We ought to have this attitude. Oh, be careful. We sang this song in Sunday school. Be careful little eyes. 
what you see. There's a father up above looking down in tender love. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. You ought to, in the realm of the spirit, you ought to have something on the outside of your ears that says, this is not a garbage pal. I don't want to hear all your junk coming into these ears. Be careful, little hands, what you do. What are we doing with our bodies? Presenting it to him, a living sacrifice. And then be careful, little feet, where you go. I literally do have little feet for my height. I know that's why pastor laughed. But beware of where your feet are taking you. There's places we shouldn't go. Holiness preaching here today, but all right. You know what? Somebody need to hear that. I didn't say all that in the first service, so hey, let's just leave it at that. Present our bodies to Him, a living sacrifice. And then look at verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. You know, that's really right along with present your body. A living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to this world. In the way we look. The way we dress. The way we act. We're the light of this world. Our goal should not be to blend in. It ought to be to stand out. And shine bright. For Jesus. Amen. So don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I like that word transformed. And when I was looking at that, it reminded me of when our boys were in school. Jesus helped me. They had to do science projects every year. And so I was always helping them. I won't say doing it, but helping them a lot. So this one year I was like, oh, we got to get something easy. So I ordered this kit and it was like three little caterpillars and they were going to, what does a caterpillar do? He transforms into a butterfly. And when I looked at this transform, I had that picture of those little caterpillars and they had to eat all this little green stuff and praise the Lord. At least one of them survived. So we got a good grade on the project. And he transformed into a butterfly. And as I was thinking about that caterpillar, caterpillars look a lot like a worm. And the enemy, the devil, he loves to bombard our minds, our soul with these thoughts. You are an unworthy worm. Even people that are born again. I heard people when I was growing up in a good Pentecostal church, but people that would just say, well, you know, I'm just an unworthy worm, but I'm saved by the grace of God. Maybe you were wormy at one time, but once you get born again, you're no longer an unworthy worm. So don't live there. Let him transform you into that brand new, beautiful creation. Amen. And it says here, how's that going to happen? By the renewing of our mind, not 
the removal of our mind. There is no such a thing as being dumb for Jesus. He gave you a brain. Use it. Don't lose it. Don't think, you know, well, now I'm born again. I live up here somewhere in the heavenlies. I just float around on clouds. No, we still live here in the earth. And we ought to be as Christians. We ought to live in such a way as to bring him glory and honor in our physical bodies, in our actions, in our words, in our deeds. Amen. Don't be like the scarecrow in the Wizard of Oz. If I only had a brain. You do. And use it. Amen. Now then it goes on here and it says this. I like this. The word renew out of the spirit filled Bible. It has a little note there. I'm going to read this to you. I loved it. It implies a restoration to freshness or original state. It intimates the potential the word potential means it could happen. The potential of God's redemptive power to reinstate features of God's original intention for humanity. And then listen to this part. And the recovery of the human mind and soul as designed before the fall. Think about How quick, how sharp Adam was before the fall. God didn't bring the animals before him and say, this is what they're called. God told him to name the animals. That took some intelligence. Just, I don't know how he came up with giraffe, but here came a giraffe, uh, this spotted animal with a real long neck. And Adam just said, that's a giraffe. Here came a hippo. Well, that's a hippo. I don't know how he came up with those names. But he was operating in this high level of potential intelligence. And this scripture says once we get born again and we renew our thinking to the word of God, we ought to come up. We ought to come up in our wisdom. We ought to come up. In our intelligence. And don't use, well, I was born here, or I don't have this education, or I'm not this, or I'm not that. If you're born again, you're a brand new creation with the potential of operating on a level up here. We have three granddaughters now, but after uh, several years ago, it's probably like six years ago, our oldest granddaughter was four. I went down to visit them and I took Olivia somewhere and we had her stroller and it came time to go and I could not figure out how to fold that stroller up. Man, when our boys were little, it wasn't so intense. You push one button, but this had all these gadgets. I'm like, oh Jesus. So I'm fiddling around trying to figure out how to fold up this stroller. My four-year-old granddaughter looks at me, kind of disgusted, I think. Because you got blonde hair, Pastor Nancy. She said, Grammy, you don't know everything because you don't have black hair. (laughs) Seriously. Well, my first reaction was, well, honey, truth be told, but didn't want to go through all of that. 
At the time, my hair was completely blonde. There's been miraculous intervention. Now it grows in in three different colors, but you know. So this young man came by. I had to have somebody help me follow the stroller. So we finally get where we're going and we get home and I'm like, John, Olivia said this to me. Hurt my feelings. I thought she loved Grammy. She said this like she thought Grammy wasn't very smart. So he... I said, why would she say that? So he explained to me. Well, she goes to this little preschool and, and a lot of the little girls there have blonde hair. And some little girl said something mean to her about her hair not being pretty like theirs. And so when she got home, she tells her daddy. And so daddy came up with this. He said, honey, doesn't matter what color your hair is, but let me tell you this. People with black hair are really smart. <laughs> And Ingrid is a testament to that. What can I say? So, the implication, I said, well, John, the implication is Grammy's not smart. So we had to take care of that. But regardless of the color of your hair, or the color of your skin, or your education, or your lack of education, or your background. Glory to God, we're all created in the likeness and in the image of our Father God. And we have the potential to tap in to wisdom that is out of this world. He's not hiding that wisdom from us. The Bible says Jesus is made unto us wisdom and righteousness. Righteousness and peace. Hallelujah. And you'll like this scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16 it says this. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. Then I want you to read that last part with me. But we have the mind of Christ. All together again. I read it slow. But we have the mind of Christ. Let that sink in for a minute. We can live by a higher standard. We can operate in wisdom from above. The mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful? That's what we need to renew our mind to. I encourage you, renew your mind by getting some wonderful scriptures concerning who you are in Christ Jesus. Get that little In Him reality book by Brother Kenneth E. Hagin. Confess it on a regular basis. I got the mind of Christ. I got the wisdom of God operating on the inside of me. And perhaps you will sit in that work in a situation arises and nobody knows the answer to or how to solve the problem. Well, you don't need to stand up and go, but you can tap into just quietly on the inside. I got the mind of Christ. I got the wisdom of God. He's going to show me exactly what to do in this situation. We live so far below What's available to us. Confess the word. Get the truth. On the inside of you. Of who you really are. And when the things of life come against us. You won't crack. Under pressure. 
You won't be like my shoe when you put pressure on it. It's not going to crumble and fall apart. It's going to keep you steady. And it's going to keep you strong. The Bible says that wisdom shall be the stability of our times. Hallelujah. The wisdom of God will keep us stable and steadfast in this day and in this hour. And you guys are listening. I think you're listening slower than the first group. No, you're listening good. Because I got more to say. But the other thing that will keep us from cracking and falling apart at the seams is to stay oiled up. To stay oiled up. We have leather couches at home. And when we first got them, they're like, put this conditioner on them, clean them with this, and then make sure you keep this oil on them. If you don't keep leather nice and oiled up, what's going to happen to it? It's going to crack. If that happens to something in the natural, like a leather couch, what do you think will happen to us if we don't keep applying the oil? The oil of the Holy Ghost. The oil of joy. I've got two scars on my knees from double knee replacement over a year ago. But you know what? Even to this day, almost daily, I put oil on there. Because I want those scars to fade. And I want my knees to be soft and pliable so I can dance and run through a troop and leap over a wall. For Jesus. For Jesus. If you've got... (laughs) Well, we won't go into that. Only for Jesus. Only for pastor. Whatever we need to do. We need to do that on natural scars. Some of you might say, I've been through so much pain of the past. Hurt by this one or hurt by that one. You know what? Of course you need to renew your mind. But you could also... Apply the oil of joy to those hurts, to those areas in your soul that feel like they're going to crack. Keep them lubricated with the oil of joy, the oil of the Holy Ghost. When we get born again, not only do we get the mind of Christ, but I like this scripture in Isaiah 61.3, to console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Do you remember? When you got born again, he took those ashes and he made something beautiful out of it. He took away that sorrow, that grief and that mourning. And he gave you the oil of joy and you even got a new garment. You took off the garment of heaviness and put on the garment of praise. Hallelujah. When we get Jesus, we ought to get some joy. Jesus is the joy of our salvation. We all know that when we get born again, there is that joy like a river. I got joy like a river that flows continuously. But then things start happening. 
Maybe when you walk out of the church where you receive Jesus and maybe somebody says something or somebody cuts you off and all of a sudden, what happens? That joy of your salvation gets under attack and you start to leak. It gets drained out of you. And that's why we have to have continuous refillings of the Holy Ghost. We got to drink in constantly from that river of joy. So we stay full. The psalmist David said in Psalms 51, 12, he said this, restore unto me. The joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. That tells me not we're not going to lose our salvation, but our joy can be severely challenged by people. And do not look at your spouse by people. By situations, by kids, whatever that come against us. That joy can be challenged. But I'm so glad that there is no end to his joy. And that joy is not contingent upon what's going on around us. It doesn't depend on how people are acting or what they're saying. Joy is not based on a feeling. This joy that Jesus gives us is a spiritual force. Just like love, just like peace. These are not feelings. They're spiritual impartations. The Bible is very clear about what joy produces in our life. One thing that it does produce is strength. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're constantly saying, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm weak, then you need another dose of joy. Because it'll give you strength. Hallelujah. Yeah, and you should change your confession to say the joy of the Lord is my strength. The Bible even says, let the weak say what? I am strong. This passage of scripture, and we don't have this particular translation, but this passage in another translation says, let there be no grief in your hearts. For the joy of the Lord is your strong place. Woo, I like that. Your strong place. People talk about their happy place. Some people to them, Disneyland is their happy place. Not mine. It's crowded, it's busy, I like it, but not my happy place. In the presence of the Lord is my happy place. I agree again with what the psalmist David said in Psalm 16 11. He said, you will show me your path of life in your presence is what? Fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. His presence is a place of strength. 
His presence is a place of joy. You cannot hang out with Jesus and come out saying, He hath made me sad. He hath made me so sad. What a waste of time. I've been hanging out with Jesus in his presence and I feel terrible. No, in his presence is fullness of joy. When you hang out with Jesus, he rubs joy all over you. And you leave that place feeling glad, feeling happy. Woo! Spring in yourself. Shout in your voice. You know, you start acting like who you hang out with. I've been hanging out with Pastor Mark for 42 years. Nigh all these years. 42 years. But you know what? Hopefully you're not sad about it. I'm not sad about it. I'm happy about it. But sometimes I'm hanging out so close that if he has on a certain cologne, I leave his presence and I'm like, I smell like my hubby. Well, you know what? We ought to leave the presence of Jesus and people ought to go, whoo, you smell like Jesus. You got a glow on your face. You've been hanging out. With the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You look glad. You look happy. You got something I want. Hallelujah. In Psalms 34, 5. You know, I, I, if you haven't figured it out yet, I really do like the book of Psalms. I like that he was a praiser and he was a worshiper of God. And the psalmist David, he made huge mistakes, but God forgave him. Hallelujah. God restored his joy in his life. And this is another scripture that he said out of the Holman translation. Those who look to him are radiant With joy. Their faces were never ashamed. Hallelujah. Radiant with joy. When you look unto him. You ought to come out with something tangible. On your face. And in your life. Pastors Mark and Janet Brzee were just here. And I know some of you have heard this story. But we went down a few days. Well, actually on my birthday. And we celebrated my birthday with them. Down in Monterey and Carmel. And Janet and I, one day, the last day there. The guys were drinking coffee. And we're walking down the street. And we've been doing a little shopping. And we saw this store. The name of it was Jazzy's. So that spoke to me right there. I like that. Plus it had a lot of bling in the window. So we go in there. And the owner is following us around. I mean, literally following us around. And she kept saying, why are you girls so happy? And you know, uh, my first response was, it's Jesus, but you got a lot of cute stuff in here. So we're shopping now. We'll talk about it later, maybe. And she just kept following us. Three times she said to us, you girls are so happy. And then the last time she said, you girls are so happy. What are you on? Like we were high on drugs or something. What are you on? So I'm like, well, it is. It's Jesus. But you know what? I'm trying on these clothes. So maybe we'll talk about it later. So anyhow. So we buy some clothes. And then she, we're getting ready to leave. And she says it again. This is my lucky day. You guys come in here and you're so happy. And she's giving us all these discounts because she loved, uh, loved us and liked us and I'm like, well, now I'm happy. But anyhow, really happy. 
So after we pay for everything, she said it again. This is my lucky day. You come in here, you're so happy. So at that point, we'd already got our stuff. So, you know, (laughs) we can take time now. So she's sitting on a little stool and we start saying to her, well, it is Jesus. And then I asked her, she knew what it meant to be a Christian. And she said, yes, I know what that means. And then, you know, have you ever asked Jesus into your heart personally? And she hesitated. And so we said, hmm, if you hesitate, probably not. And she, we led her to the Lord. And after we prayed with her, she said, you know what? I have a brother who is a pastor of a small church in L.A., at the Christian church. So I'm sure her brother was praying. And we were the anointed labors that day. The answer to her brother's prayers. And you know what it was? It was the joy of Jesus that attracted her to us. They looked to him and their faces were radiant. Radiant with Jesus. It was an awesome confirmation that, you know, after you shop, you can lead them to the Lord. And then it was also a confirmation that Jesus is into shopping. Woohoo! So we get in the car and we start telling our husbands and, you know, of course, one of the questions I'm sure a pastor wanted to know was, well, how much did you spend? How happy are you? How much did you spend? And of course, the response is, honey, you can't put a price on a soul. We just led this lady to Jesus. So let's just be happy about it. All right. Anyway, (laughs) joy is a magnet and it draws people in. There's so much sorrow and sadness and anxiety in the world. But we are carriers of the joy of the Lord. And this joy that we have, there is no end to it. One last scripture. It's everlasting. Isaiah 51, 11 says this. So the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, sorrow and And sighing shall flee away. And that phrase just popped out at me. Everlasting joy on their heads. We're talking about our mind, our will, our emotions. Joy is a spiritual force. And it comes into our spirit at the time of the new birth. But we can get so full of joy that it bubbles up and it gets on your head. It gets in your thinking. If you're being tormented by thoughts of fear and anxiety, worry, if you have to just look at your Bible as a jug and say, I'm going to just pour the oil of joy on my head right now. And it's going to spring up. And it's going to take care of these thoughts that are bombarding me. Amen. Everybody stand. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord, for your joy. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.